Welcome everyone to the Sight Beyond Sight podcast, where we look beyond the surface, diving deeper into life's issues. I am Mike Brown, your health and wellness coach. And as always, I want to thank you all for taking some time out of your life to spend it with us on the Sight Beyond Sight podcast. I know that you could be doing other things or listening to someone else, but you chose to tune in to the Sight Beyond Sight podcast. And for that, I am very grateful. And with that being said, let's create some freshwater moments. Well, everyone, I want to thank you for continuing to be freshwater warriors, for continuing to show your kindness, for continuing to put others before yourself. And I want to tell you that we have a a awesome podcast lined up for you. I am joined with a good friend of mine, Nate, and he has his podcast, Living Parables, going on as well. But I have Nate with me today. And Nate, how are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. good. I'm really excited to be here. It's cool. Well, you know, uh, a little bit of history. Nate and I, we met through work, you know, and uh, we just uh, found out that we had a lot of things in common. Actually, have you been keeping up with the fights? Oh, I mean, I, absolutely. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually woke up today reading an article about Chris Weidman uh, and he has a podcast as well, and he had Anderson Silva on his podcast, and they were talking about the ankle, or not the ankle, the leg injury, because oh, yeah. they suffered uh, the same injury. I, ironically, Chris was the one who yeah. did it to Anderson. And I watched that live, too. Yeah. That was nasty. Nasty. <sighs> but Chris, he had a different perspective, and I was just like, man, this is, this is crazy. But he was apologizing to Anderson Silva for not being – more empathetic Mm -hmm. and now he's starting to realize exactly how much he had to go through how much pain he was in how difficult the rehab is and so he had him on the podcast and was telling him and anderson silva was gracious and saying you know you don't have to apologize i i know you didn't mean anything bad by that and he just kept apologizing so i thought that was really cool because most people look at the sport as a brutal sport and they think it's just two gladiators wanting to kill each other. Yeah. And that's far from it. There's so much more to it. There's uh, uh, just a level of humanity in the combat, which is crazy. I think what's also interesting about that, because we've watched them together at times, mm-hmm. I think it's insane that two high-level trained athletes in combat can go to war for 15 to 25 minutes and at the end, shake hands, hug it out, and show just a great amount of respect for being punched in the face for that amount of, for five rounds. I'm not sure if I have that in me, but uh, I'm just kidding. But I, I think, uh, I, yeah, it's, it's such a, I think it's a really amazing sport, but not just that. The discipline it takes to do that, mm-hmm. and most fighters are hurt and go out and, and perform like that. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. You know, these guys don't go in 100%. Never. Never. Mm-hmm. Never. It's like football. People think, well, how come he didn't perform? Last week he had this many yards rushing, and this week he looks ordinary. And they never think about, well, this guy was probably 80% last week, probably at 60% now, and he's trying to work his way back up during the game, you know, before the game to get to at least 75%. And so it is just, it's 
it's what they say in football, and I, I I imagine it's the same in the UFC, is that whoever is the healthiest is usually going to win. And they say that with football. Whoever is the healthiest team is probably going to be the team that wins the Super Bowl, you know, and it makes so much sense. Well, I – and, you know, the teams that I root for, you know, I you see all these injuries happen, and, oh, if we just had these these players healthy, it would be a whole different story. I get competitive in that regard, but I mean, I think that's just uh, almost like a life lesson in whole. There's a lot of things that maybe we're not going through injuries at work that we're dealing with that, that prevent us from doing our job, but there are things that maybe there's stuff going on at home, uh, battles we're struggling with inwardly, coworkers that are toxic or whatever it is. And I think those things that we have to kind of deal with, um, especially the things at home, because you're not, you're not there. You're not struck. I always think of like health issues. Like when my kids are sick, um, I always wonder throughout the day, like how they're doing it. But my mind is just kind of taken off from my job a little bit fixated on, on their wellness. And so that is one of those things where, you know, I'm not anywhere near comparing myself to an MMA fighter or, you know, a professional athlete, because <laughs> the stuff about they have to go through on, on, on a weekly basis, just to get on the field or in the cage or uh, at the plate or wherever it is that they're doing takes that a, a great amount of dedication and a lot of self-discipline to, to be able to get to that point. And a lot of times a sacrifice uh, yes. to us would not be worth it to get to that point just to get on the field for a few hours. I mean, that the practice preparation is probably threefold compared to how much, how much time there actually are on the field. So it's yeah. crazy. No, you're right about the sacrifice, you know, and uh, about, you know, you brought up a point of, you know, the, the family. We are also going through different things at different times, you know, not comparing ourselves to, uh, these elite athletes, but, you know, there are some things that we, we go through that are similar, you know, the concept is there, you know, so it comes down to what are you going to do with that? How are you going to deal with this? Are you going to keep pressing forward or are you going to sit there and be angry and upset and do nothing? Or are you going to point the finger and blame, you know, other people for what you don't have or what they have or where you could be. And I think that's mainly a good segue into what we want to talk about. You know, yeah. uh, today, guys, we're going to be talking about what it is and what it means to compare yourself to each other and how there are pitfalls to that if that is the head of your life and that is if that becomes who you are with comparing, um, you know, a lot of times we think, oh, it's just a simple comparison and it's no big deal, or it's just a little bit of jealousy, it's no big deal, but we are not aware of what this could lead to. And one thing that I noticed is as a parent, as a parent, we go to the soccer games and you'll hear other parents talking all the time about what this person has or who this person thinks they are because they have this elite job or this amount of money or look at this awesome brand new minivan with all the features they got. They think they're the ultimate soccer mom or whatever it may be. You hear it though. And I, I start to think, man, 
what is truly in, in some of these hearts of people on the sideline? I'll tell you, one of the biggest eye openers to me wasn't so much like the peewee footballs or the youth soccer. It was actually scouts. No, really? Yeah. I know it's a weird segue because we're talking about sports, but that's all right. I took, I took my son every single week. Now this wasn't a drop off situation. I was there with him every single week. And one of the biggest things that they do is they do a, a thing called a Pinewood Derby where you make your own car, uh, this little box. I mean, it's just a little rectangular piece of wood that already has some of the grooves cut out for the wheels, but you have to shape it, mold it to be the fastest car. You can add so much weight to it that they actually have weigh-ins and you have to have it under a certain amount of weight. Well, you look at some of these cars that are ready to go. And I think, all right, we painted it pretty good and it looks, it looks all right. <laughs> and some of these are like, okay, these dads are like ultra competitive and they have, I mean, it looks like a sports car. I mean, it, it looks, I mean, they, they, they must use like all these different hand tools and different type of types of power tools to craft this thing into this powerhouse of a little race car that you just drop off the top of a, a ramp and it, it goes down and then it speeds all the way to the finish line. Well, ours kept running into the side of the wall and my competitive nature comes out and like, okay, we got to win this. We got to win this. But I was watching some of these, I was like, there's no way you kids did that on your own. And so here I'm letting my son taking these glue, this glue gun and, and glue up. Like, that looks good, son. And the next year we try to get more competitive, but these guys, we actually went to a, a woodworking shop and this guy had won several trophies to show them how to create their own car that would win. I'm like, this is a little bit ridiculous, but, right. <laughs> <laughs> but, the, but the jealousy you're talking about and the comparing, that's what exactly what we did. My son was downcast. He was upset because they kept running in the wall. I didn't even finish the race. He's like, dad, how come we can't be like other people? I'm like, well, son, we, you don't want to be like other people. Well, what do you mean? Because we want to win. It's like, yeah, we want to win, but you're not at the sacrifice of not having a good time and, and, you know, accomplishing, like I said, your own goals. But I mean, it's just, it's such a dead end worrying about other people um, because you almost, their desires and their outcomes and their, their old, their goals become in a way yours. And that, and then like, where are you at? So right. it's just, it's just a hard thing to navigate at times. It is, you know, you said, you just said, touched on something I had. It wasn't an article. I was uh, in the YouTube realm and those who know me, I, I, I can't get deep into the YouTube. I, I oh, yeah. that's my, that's my vice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do the other social media stuff, but YouTube, I can get sucked in. But I, I, I saw this uh, article on YouTube and it was a comedian who who takes these articles and then he'll talk about it. And this lady, she was over a hundred some years old and she gave the secret to living a long lasting life, a long, healthy, lasting life. And she said to stay out of other people's business, to mind your own business. And I was just like, so simple, but when you break it down, it just, you're, you're doing your thing. 
you know, you, you're helping every, everybody else out, but you're not sitting, spending that time comparing yourself to others. You're not worried about um, what you don't have, what you could have. And it was just something so simple. And I was just like, you know what? This lady has the secret, yeah. has the secret right there. <laughs> Mind your own business. I, I remember when I was in track, I used to compare myself to all the other racers. And it was just weird because some of those guys that were beating me, I mean, they were smoking me. I didn't have a chance to beat them. But on the football field, I was beating them. I can, I can run them down. I, I can outrun them. It was just totally different. But when we got into the blocks in those lanes, I mean, they were running 10-4, 10-5. I had no chance to beat these guys. And, you know, track is a sport where you can see a lot of comparison. That was when I got my first taste of I'm jealous, I'm mad, uh, I don't even care anymore. I, all I want to do is get first, second, or third, you know, and have the best time. And I want my name in the paper like everybody else has, you know. And that just really messed up my whole season. But there was something that the coach told me. He pulled me aside and he asked me what my goal was for running. And I told him I wanted to place first. And he shot me down pretty hard saying, no, that's not going to happen. Your time's right here. You ain't going to get first. So what's your real goal? And I told him I wanted to break the 10s. I wanted to run in the 10s because I've been running in the mid-11s and 11s all year. He's like, well, stop focusing on everybody else's race and run your race. And that just hit home with me. And he was so right that we have to run our race. I was so busy looking in the other lanes, looking behind me, pouting, not using my technique, uh, not focused on my real goal, that I was getting left behind. It's scary, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, something so simple can be so profound. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, it's right. like, no, that can't be it. That can't be it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, run your race. Was, that doesn't make any sense. And it still didn't click. I wasn't running my race at the next few meets. It wasn't until districts when I ran my race. And it all came together and it kind of clicked to me. It was like in those cartoons when you hear that voice on your shoulder <laughs> said, go, you can do this. I'm here with you in spirit. You know, it was like him on my shoulder saying that, like, hey, run your race. And I finally ran my race, broke 10-9. Uh, still got smoked, but it was my best finish. I, be I believe I ran fifth, but that 10-9 can't be taken away from me. I accomplished my goal, but I would not have done it if I was still looking in the lanes beside me and looking behind me to make sure I wasn't getting dead last, you know? Well, that, that's, well, it's interesting you point that out because uh, yeah, when I was in track, they always taught us and they, I'm assuming they taught you the same thing. But when we were in track, we were running one of the biggest lessons they taught us about obviously staying in your lane, but not just that, but don't look to the left or to the right. And, and most importantly of everything else, our main track coach, he was, he's kind of a scary guy. He's just one of those intimidating, like, I don't know, almost, almost like a hard nose type of, type of person. Turned out that's not wasn't him at all. He was actually a really nice guy. Oh wow! But he yeah. but he was I mean but he was serious about this. He was a really good coach, and he he his biggest rule was never look behind you, never. And so most of us were just too afraid to look back anyway. 
but we didn't really know the why behind it. Once we got a little more progression into our track practice and, and meets, he would tell us, watch these people run. And they run and he noticed people were looking left and to the right. And so what was happening? They were veering off in other people's lanes. Mm. And then he said, if you ever look behind you, of course, a lot of people don't actually do that. But if you do, first off, it takes takes your focus off what's ahead of you. And second, when you're looking behind you, other people are going past you. And yeah, for sure. Well, if you're trying it, the ultimate goal in any type of race at all, even even the races at elementary school, which I will be the first to admit as an elementary school teacher, my students wanted to race me. <laughs> and I kept saying, you don't want any of this smoke. <laughs> and so and I ended up, you know, having a big old line of kids running down, touching the wall and back and smoking them. Like, I told you, you don't want any of this. I'm like a child. Right, good. <laughs> you, you, I'm glad you didn't take it easy, you know, because sometimes oh. they just have to know, you know, this is what you're going to face. And now you need to step your game up before you start challenging other people. I'm surprised I didn't blow a hammy though, because that's uh, <laughs> that's because uh because that was uh that was pretty real. Here I am in like dress pants and dress shirt. Yeah. I have to go teach language arts next, and I'm like huffing and puffing now. And of course, the other teachers are just having a good old time, just watching me sprint there as fast as I can. <laughs> and this this uh, you know the, the competitive students are coming to me. Let's race against George. It's like, dude. I already beat you bad. You don't want, why would you want that again? Right. No, no rematch. <laughs> no rematch. No rematch. Plus like, I don't know if I can anyway, I'm going to be paying for that later, but right. Uh, no, I just, it's the same. It's the same principle running from just a, you and your friend when you're kids, Hey, you want to race? Sure. The, the whole, the whole goal of that is to win. Yes. You're not running just to trot there and just jogging on the side of the road. And even see the people that, that, quote unquote jog. Mm -hmm. They're not jogging. That's like, I can actually walk faster than you're jogging. Right. But I mean, the whole purpose of a race is to run it in such a way as to win the prize. Why would you want to run in any other way other than to not win? Right. And I like that. What you just said, run in such a way to win the prize. It didn't say run to win the prize, just run, given your all run it focused on winning that prize, not looking to the left, not looking to the right or behind you. And, you know, to me that says that not everybody's going to get first place. You know, that first place isn't for everybody. No. But you know what? You ran your race to receive your prize. That's pretty eye-opening. You know, a lot of times we, we find ourselves in situations where, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll keep it on myself. I remember comparing myself to others and I, and I thought it was no big deal. And sometimes it was just like, I, track was the one that I, I knew for a fact. I was jealous. I was upset. Um, I was hoping I could trip someone or maybe they had a hurt ankle or I could win. Just all sorts of crazy thoughts. But when it came to other sports, I really, I compared to say like, oh, I want to learn from that person. Mm. But see, my knowledge of the game was was greater. So it was just like, oh, what can I take from that person and, and apply it to what I already have? Track, there was none of that. I mean, there was there was no speed to be given to me. There was no technique. I knew I was just gonna be getting getting, getting beat beat down every race. And it was just 
you know, I had to really, it really checked who I was, you know, but I think there are times where you can look and compare and say, hey, I want to compare and I want to learn. What can I learn from them? How can I uh, get them to teach me some things that they're doing? And I think that's a, a, a good comparison uh, in that sense. Uh, it's kind of like what we do when we, you know, you talked about it earlier when we were talking off the record uh, about, you know, us doing our podcast. Mm-hmm. I'll listen to something you say and the way you deliver it. And I'm like, man, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I'll compare it to what I'm doing. And But it's not a jealousy thing. It's a, man, I'm happy my brother's doing something. He gave me a little nugget to to add to what I'm doing, you know. And I think in that sense, it's a good thing. But then how, why, what is it that takes it a step further? You know, there's there's that good thing. And then how close are we to taking it that step further to, to jealousy? Well, I think... One of the things the, the Bible talks about in Jeremiah seventeen nine, I should probably get there, but it says that the heart is desperately sick, and it's just and it's deceitful above all things. So when you're thinking about the heart, you know you can't think of the heart as just a blood pumping organ that keeps basically keeps you alive. It, it's it's who you are as a whole entire person because we we're all we all have. A soul or spirit within us and that's that's what the heart is it's everything that we are and so we are desperately sick and the heart spiritual heart is is deceitful above all things so as much as there are times where and i'll just be completely honest you know where i'm listening to your podcast and i'm like man i really wish i could do that i wish i could sound that smooth or i can sound or have those type of thoughts and those good, uh, very good wisdom moments. And then I listen to my own stuff and here I am him hawing through things at times and, and not sounding <laughs> as professional, but I, I looked at, and, and instead of saying, I wish I was like that. I usually, what I usually end up doing, I, I had to reprogram myself is to say, you know what? My brother is doing, awesome, wonderful things. And I usually try to tell you every time that you have an episode out that I love it. And I, I wouldn't tell you I loved it if I didn't mean it. No, and that's what I appreciate. That's that's a true friend. Yeah, well, that's I, a true friend. well, your episode that you had, your series on being a faithful friend uh, hit me to the heart because to be honest, I mean, our friendship kind of blossomed out of almost out of nowhere. I yeah. know, I know it wasn't an accident. I could have at any point just said, well, this friendship's not worth that or not even pursuing that. But when you, when you had the episode out of a faithful friend, that's after we became really good friends. Uh, and I, I wouldn't consider your friend. I consider your brother now, but I honestly though, uh, cherish your friendship because th- those episodes were speaking to me. I'm like, man, I don't, I don't really have a ton of friends, but the other thing is the friendship I do have, am I being a faithful friend? Am I being a good friend? Uh, so I think that those were one of those things that really, really spoke to me. But anyway, going back to your, your main point without deviating from it too much, I think the, the jealousy aspect, it, it's, it's just a byproduct of sin. We're all born with sinful nature. It says that in Psalm 51, I'm con- basically I'm conceived in sin. And so 
there's nothing that we can do to escape it on our own strength. And so jealousy is just a byproduct of sin. I want what you have actually in the Greek. Uh, and that's what I've been doing a lot in my, my study of the Bible lately is, is going to the Greek roots of it to figure out what these words actually mean when the, when the, when these, not just these people wrote them, but what God intended the scriptures to say. So jealousy in the Greek is when you're being to be jealous of, it means of someone, someone's possessions, their success to eagerly possess what others have that you don't to the point where it can be compared to bubbling over of boiling water. Mm. So I, the two things I can look at when it comes to, again, comparing, comparing you and I, I can look at yours and be bubbling over with that kind of almost say bitterness, envy, and where it makes you angry. Cause you think of a bubbling over of a boiling pot of water. Usually that's representative in anger. Yeah, hostility. Most, most definitely. So I could look at that and like, you know what? I I can be mad at you for something I'm even lacking because of something I don't have. And that's so that's what a lot of the world does. We like to fill in things and, and fill our hearts with things that are not going to completely fill us. But because we're both filled with the spirit, we're spirit controlled, spirit led, we don't we don't think and have the mind the way that the world does. So instead of being jealous of those things, I'm like, that's awesome, brother. Keep it, keep up the good work. I love it. love it. Love it. And I'm going to take what you've done and incorporate it to my own. Cause even though some of the stuff I've done on my podcast, it's, it, some of it a little bit sounds a little bit like yours. Cause I listen to yours more than anybody else's. So. And you know, I, I think to me, that's a good thing because mm -hmm my delivery or, or just anyone's delivery is going to reach certain people or maybe there is something that someone else heard in that message that they can say oh i can go deeper into that and that's why i loved your love series you know that was that was awesome i mean i front to back just listening through and through and I, it was just uh, a different perspective and it was a little deeper into it and i just thought that was awesome because it even though, yeah, we both talked about love, it just hit home differently, you know? And uh, I think that's the awesome thing. I think that's when you can get past that jealousy and you can really accept that who you are, who uh, other people are, and accept that, you know, some people are just gonna have different gifts. That's just the bottom line. It is. That's the bottom line. And if you can accept that and you can learn from that and apply it like you were saying, man, we can keep moving forward. And we can keep getting more freshwater warriors in here with us to do freshwater things on a daily, you know, to help soften up these hardened hearts. And, and that's the whole goal with everything, really, with me is just instilling some hope, softening up these hearts and, and doing my part to to make this world uh, as livable as possible. <laughs> you know. Well, I'll tell you, you know, you're talking about hope, you know. I know, I know there's a lot of people that at some point will listen to either one of our podcasts. And I mean, think about that word hope lately. I mean, you look at the way the world was back in 2020. Of course, everybody's like, oh, the world is at that point was awful. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, that's that was a fluke year. That's not, that's not going to happen anymore. And I'm not trying to be doom and gloom, but things 
according to the Bible, will get progressively worse. And a lot of people really get freaked out by that. And they, they, I remember when I was a kid, life was a lot simpler and I enjoyed life uh, tremendously. And I didn't, I didn't, all these things that are happening in the world uh, are, I mean, it's, it's not an accident. And with this, the coronavirus that was out there and just with these things happening in our country and, and they're progressing in almost like frequency of, of just these of hostility and the, and the morals have just seemed to completely crumble. The family has shattered into a million pieces. And just going back to the, the hope aspect of it, because a lot of people are saying, okay, 2020 has to be done. Once, once 2020 is over, everything will be fine. Well, 2021 start out with a bang as well. And mm -hmm. it's just, these things are happening left and right. Um, now we have to worry about what aliens now and UFOs and stuff that those are right. that our government saying that it's, these are real things now. And so there's a lot of people, I think that are looking for a hope and this is going to be a really bold statement. And I'm, I guess, I, I guess I make a lot of bold statements at times that gets me in trouble, <laughs> but the world outside of God is hopeless because if you think about it, you know, you're born, you grow up, you go to school and then you graduate and go to college, get your, get your degree, meet Mr. And Mrs. Wright, have 2.5 kids according to the statistics, yeah. <laughs> get a nice car, get a dog, a house with a white picket fence and you retire, have some grandkids and then that's it. And yeah, there's other things you can do. You can, you know, you can be charitable. You can give back to the community. But if you really think about that, just at face value, that's pretty hopeless. I mean, because the biggest question that we don't want to ask is what is there after this life? And that's not what we're talking about today, but we're talking about hope right now. What, what does the world offer for hope? Get your, get your jollies now, get, get your paper now. Stack as much money in the bank as you can get the best possible house now, best possible car. Now all these things, and you do all these things and you have these relationships and that you just leave yourself always wanting more. Right. And it, it, it leads to, it does lead to jealousy. It does lead to comparing and comparing and, and depression and all these things. And, you know, I know there, there are certain chemical imbalances that lead to depression. I'm, I'm not, I'm not a fool when it comes to that stuff either, but a lot of these things that we're, we're I mean, think about 2020. We've isolated, we isolated ourselves. We all became islands. We're not, we weren't meant for that. No. God had designed us to be doing what we're doing right now. Iron sharpening iron, uh, treating people as we ought to be treated. We had a lot of issues. You had a, you had an episode on race. Uh, that was uh, really, that's extremely hot topic right now. And I think sin has done a, a great deal of damage uh, to this country, to this world. And, you know, in Ephesians, it talks about we, we wrestle our struggles, not against flesh and blood, but of the spiritual dark forces in this world. A lot of people don't believe that, but, you know, 
it, the battle is not against the people, what you physically see. And sin has taken its ugly turn to, uh, you know, race issues, uh, gender issues, uh, male and female issues. And sin just takes, and, and Satan's very good at these at being craftiness. And, and it says in the book of John that his mission, basically, I'm paraphrasing, but he has come to steal, kill, and destroy. For sure. For sure. And we see it. And we're seeing it play out oh, right sure. now. Oh, absolutely. Right now. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, just that thought that just crossed my mind is, you know, the enemy sitting there smiling at the chaos that's going on and all the hardened hearts. You know, he he's probably thinking mission is getting accomplished. Yeah. Because no one can say anything. No one. I mean, it's difficult to even engage in a regular conversation at times with people because they're on such different wavelengths. You know, it, it's like uh, it's like sometimes people are just waiting for a fight. Mm -hmm. you know, just trying to pick that fight with you, trying to bait you into something. And it, it's just a different, it's, it's, it's different. And you're right. We're not built to be isolated. We're not built to be alone. We're built to have these communications and uh, have these conversations, I should say, with each other and to continue to grow and to continue to move forward. And if you're comparing yourselves to each other, how can you move forward? You know, it, it'll stunt your growth. It'll stunt your your progression because of that boiling, that that jealousy that's boiling boiling over. And uh, what made me think about that is just so simple. Boiled water is hot to the touch. Oh uh, yeah, right. Mm -hmm. It's hot to the touch. You don't want that thrown on you. You no. don't want any of that water to pop on you. It instantly just sears your skin. Now picture someone that's jealous the same thing mm -hmm. they touch you they even glare at you and look at you you can probably feel your skin boiling you know it's it's crazy is there such thing as being a little bit jealous uh, I, I think there probably is but i mean i don't know i i don't know it's just you know one of the things that happened this year because this is a first year being an elementary school teacher i've had a little bit of experience but this is my first full full year in one classroom and people that had been doing this for years were, I mean, so stressed out to the point where they were crying to other people like constantly. Yeah. And I don't have a problem with that per se, but I'm not a big crier. So uh, I cry at like godly things. Mm -hmm. um, but when it comes to like the physical stresses of this world, uh, I know where my source of strength comes from. It doesn't come from myself because if it came from myself, I would have failed a long time ago. Right. But I had somebody who wasn't a huge fan of mine who ended up being a mentor of mine. They were assigned to be my mentor. And they, I don't, I knew they didn't care for me that much because I didn't ever need any help. I didn't need any advice. I mean, that's, that's not all the way true, but I did, she would always ask me, do you need anything? Can I help with anything? It's like, no, I think I got it. And I know at one point it, it bubbled over to the point where, you know, she basically confronted me on it. And I said, look, my strength, my strength doesn't come from myself. I'm not stressed out. I'm not worried. I know my why. 
that's the big they, they, it, the thing is they in the workplace they try to use buzz phrases yeah to fix yeah. everything uh, mindfulness know your why well this was the big one yeah. in in my building uh let's treat everybody with grace Ooh. and i said do you know what that word means and of course no one no one responded to it and i said i told people the in my circle and i wasn't trying to be toxic i'm just saying i know what the word grace means and people outside of god can show it but it's very rare so i said you watch you watch it's not going to last long and no sooner did that come out of my mouth just a short time later people were at each other's throats they were making stuff about up about other people they were gossiping and spreading rumors and he said this she did that all those type of things and i said that's how far human grace goes because if you can't give me what i want i'm, right. done, I'm done with you right and and that's the way the world is we did it I, we talked about this kind of off air but we were in a we were in a group talking about compassion for crying out loud mm -hmm. compassion i used it straight out of the bible it talks about it in Philippians. I'm you need to put that that means you put other others above yourself. And someone jumped in immediately because that must have triggered him and said, No, no, no. I think I respectfully disagree. You have to take care of yourself first. And it took every ounce. I should have probably said something in love, mm -hmm. but I didn't. I just thought, okay, you're new, know your role, take a back seat. Just and I I probably shouldn't have, I probably should have spoke up. Because that is the opposite of compassion. And that's what this country specifically in this world is in, in dire need of. We don't show compassion. Well, we don't mm -hmm. look at, look at the turmoil that our country is in right now. There's, there's still right now protests and riots still going on. You just don't hear about it anymore. There, there are people that are, that are going hungry in the streets there. There, I mean, you go along down the list. We, we, a deeper web is, is politics. Look at the mess that's in. Yes. I mean, it, and that not talking about if you vote for red or blue and that, and that stuff talk about division. <laughs> I mean, it's just, we get so bent out of shape over the things of this world because a lot of people, and this is what, this is what we're kind of getting to is that everybody gets fixated on the things of this world because that's their life. But there is, this life can be good, but God calls us to an abundant life. And that life is only found in him. So my friendships, and you're one of the very few, I, again, I would consider your brother. Because I have God as my center, and that's not easy to do at times, and it's it's hard to keep him in the center. But when he's the center, he makes everything around me better. It's almost like a bicycle wheel in that middle part. Mm -hmm. The center, he needs to be at center. But everything out there, spokes out, goes to the wheel. Everything is 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 that much better and holds it together. So our our relationship is stronger because God is the center. My relationship with my wife, sometimes my parents, even coworkers, are better because I have God as as the center. He makes everything better. And Colossians one seventeen says, "In Him all things hold together." And twenty twenty was a good, I don't know, self check about uh some people weren't too fond of spending a lot of time with their families even, right. even the worst part is people didn't because think about it 
you go to work, you have your hobbies, you have your friends, you hang out maybe on the weekends, all these other things you have to distract you from yourself. So you have to stare at yourself in the mirror and think, and a lot of people don't like what they see. No way. I, I can't stress it enough that looking in the mirror as a human is one of the most difficult things for us to do because we don't like that image. Uh, it's, it's, it's one of the reasons why these issues that have been plaguing our country has been going on for so long because we are afraid to look in that mirror. We are afraid to look at the history and say, you know what, this was bad, but it doesn't have to be like this. Instead, we try to ignore it and hope that it just goes away. And then the minute someone starts to talk about these issues, it, it hits you to the core because mm -hmm. maybe you feel a certain way. Maybe you agree, maybe you disagree, but it's hitting you at a different level because you are seeing a reflection of yourself in the ugliness of the history. I tell you, you know, 2020 was, uh, it was an eye opener because of what you said, the lack of grace, the lack of compassion, the lack of empathy, mm. the lack of empathy. It was a very, very selfish year. Very, very selfish year. All you heard about was me, 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 me. Well, I'm not doing that because it's not going to benefit me or I don't want to do that. I'm not sacrificing that because of my fears or because that's not what I want. But when you're in an occupation of service, it goes back to what you were saying. You have to put others before you. If you want to see progression, if you want to really have an impact on others, you have to put others before you. It's not saying to neglect yourself. It's saying, you know what? I understand right now uh, that I'm in an unfavorable position. It's not the position I wanted, but you know what? I'm here. But the good thing is I have the tools and the resources to, to maintain and to get past this. The people that are dependent on me don't. Mm -hmm. Oh, so, sure. So once you shut it down and you put yourself before them, who's going to give them those resources? Well, that's exactly it. I mean, one of the books of the Bible I've been in, uh, several of them, I've uh, been in Philippians and Colossians a ton, but it goes right back to this point. And the reason why I was turning my Bible while you're talking and I was listening, but this is, this has been on my mind. This was completely my focus this past year in school because it turned from, I wasn't worrying so much about teaching what, what the lesson planning and teaching kids. My focus was, uh, how to show other people Christ and his power, what he can do within you mm -hmm. in the midst of turmoil and chaos. But it also turned from that to how to treat other people. And I, you know, I, I don't want to keep bringing it up, but you know, when you did your episode on race, you know, um, by all, by all statistics or whatever it is you want to say, we shouldn't be brothers. Right. I mean, if they, if you wanted to boil it down to that, I mean, we're getting like extremely real right here, mm -hmm. but I mean, I, I didn't never looked at you like you're less, or I never looked at you like you're anything other than a human being. Cause you, cause we are all, and this is what this is again, goes back to that Ephesians. I was talking about chapter six, where it talks about our struggles, not against flesh and blood, but the spiritual forces of darkness, because we're all made in the image of God. 
every single one of us on this earth is made in the image of God. And so if I look at you and say, and make you less or treat you less and, and racism is a, again, it is a very ugly byproduct of sin that, mm-hmm. that just shows you the ugliness of the heart. What I talked about in Jeremiah, Yeah, it, it's, I'm not talking about it. It's what God says. The heart is deceitful above all things and it's desperately sick. So that's, we treat it. And, and what, what is that? We treat other people differently because it makes us feel okay. better and more power and control. Right. And that, that is, that is one of the things that makes me probably one of the most angry is when you treat others in a way that is, makes them less than, a, than, than what they are. And so going back to the Philippians uh, chapter two, verse three, listen to this. Could you imagine if the world focused on this, uh, three and four do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. But with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. And then listen, this is this is just, I got goosebumps. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also the interests of others. Could you imagine, Mike, if we had a world that was focused on that because do nothing with selfish or empty conceit? Okay. I'll just be the first to admit it because I'm not going to sit here like act like I'm holy and righteous because I'm one of the worst people when it comes to being selfish. Mm-hmm. Father's Day is coming up, and I want good stuff. I want, I want my good stuff. I, <laughs> I don't want the tie. <laughs> I gave my son static last year because he gave me a 79 cent bag of sunflower seeds, like the little, the little small. Yeah. And I love sunflower seeds. I'm like, it's like this is how much you love your dad. You couldn't get me the big one. <laughs> That's funny. To this day, I still was like, "So you're gonna give me some? Uh, you're like, are you gonna give me the two dollar bag of sunflower right. seeds this time?" <laughs> he goes, "Whatever, yeah. Dad." But I mean, it's just one of those things where, you know, I don't know. I just think it's funny. Funny we do that, but it, we we want those things. But I'm selfish, and I can be conceited at times. And oh, what was me? Oh, poor, pitiful me. But the word that st- stands out is, "But with humility." Humility mm-hmm. is such a, it's the polar opposite of pride. It's, and mm-hmm. again, pride is, is another one of those things that a byproduct of that is jealousy and comparing ourselves to others. But humility is, this is, this is humility at its, at its yeah. highest level. I, I, Nate, I'm with you though. What you just read, those two scriptures are my favorite in the entire Bible. Yeah. I have used that uh, working with uh, clients in treatment centers and shelters. I've used it coaching uh, others one-on-one. I've used it coaching football teams. You know, the, I just lean on that for everything because it spells out everything. It's what you just said. Could you imagine a world where everybody was looking out for everybody else? Because once you look out for everybody else and you put others before you, you're going to be taken care of because you know what? Someone's going to come around and do the same thing for you. So, but it's hard for people to see that because we live in such a me, me, me world. Look at what I got. Look at what I'm doing. This doesn't benefit me. So I'm not going to do it. Well, how come I do all of this work and they get some of the pie too? I should get all of it. Right. I don't want to split anything. Well, my sacrifice, well, I'll I'll do for others, but everybody else better be doing the same amount or more than what I'm doing because uh, 
I always put in the best work. It's just that kind of crazy attitude that just drives me bonkers. And that's why I always relate everything back to football. You know, oh, yeah. you listen long. Oh, yeah. I, I say football and life go hand in hand. That's right. And right. It, it, right. football's life. <laughs> but that attitude irks me because everybody has their position to play. Sometimes one person is going to have to carry more of the weight yeah. because they're equipped to do it. They're trained to do it. Sometimes you're going to have to carry some of your teammates. Sometimes you're going to have to uh, take on more responsibilities. But guess what? Because you did that for five plays in a row, everybody wins. And it's no longer about how much did you do. It's about everybody stepping up and doing their, their part and doing their playing their position and looking out for each other. Because you can't do it all alone. You said it earlier. We were not born to be isolated. Mm -mm. We cannot do this alone. Well, and, and think about it because you're talking about the aspect of a team. One person slacks, one person doesn't give their all. That means 10 other people have to make up for that right. lost effort. You think about the body. We all, every single part of us has a different function. Mind has a different function. The heart has a different function. Your fingers, your ankles, feet, eyes, nose, mouth, whatever. Uh, if your if your body was all, you know, one big set of eyeballs, that it wouldn't function right. No, because it talks about that. It talks about the body of Christ, and we all have a different a different part of that. Uh, some people are, you know, a foot. Sometimes they're a hand. You know, yeah. I don't think anybody wants, really wants to be a foot. But I, I think, you know, I'm talking about where we all have different functions. And so what something you're strong at, maybe I'm not strong at. And so maybe I'm something I'm strong at, you're not. And again, it goes back to the comparison. Yeah, exactly. Because wait, exactly. wait, wait. I, but I want what he, I want what you have. I don't want I don't want to do the things that I'm good at. I want to I want to have what you have, because look at look at the attention you're getting. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what happens at times because we, you know, I have people upset with me over uh, posting videos on Facebook of, of Bible studies because they weren't doing that. And they were like, well, I reach people differently than you do. Okay. First off, that's, <laughs> that is not the purpose of this. Off, <laughs> first off, that's why people have issues with, with the church is because these type of things right here. Yeah. I said, the only reason why I'm doing videos on YouTube or uh, I'm just kidding, sorry, uh, Facebook is because I had family that reached out and said they want to, they, their life's not going well. They're at their lowest possible point. Uh, I've had relationships. I've tried alcohol. I've done drugs. I've, I've, I've been in the clubs. I've done everything I've done, I've done, and I'm still empty. I don't know why. I said, well, God's is the one that's missing your life. So I sent, actually my cousin, I sent uh, my cousin a Bible. And I said, I'll be on every single Wednesday at 630 get on and yeah, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll dig in the Bible and, and I'll just, just listen through. And I had people that like that were jealous of that and, and comparing, well, I, I do it a different way. Good. I'm glad. Right. Good, I'm glad. Then you can reach another set of people yeah. that I'm not reaching. Yeah, you know? that's exactly it. So <laughs> it, it turns into that. It turns into that comparison. Well, well, Nate's getting some attention now, but I want some too. Mm -hmm. And, and Honestly, I don't want attention. I, all my attention 
needs to get off of me and go back to the only source worthy of attention. That's God, God alone, because, you know, life outside of Christ, it can be, it can be fun. It can be exciting for a while. Mm -hmm. And then, but it leads you empty. I don't, I don't go to bed unfulfilled. I go, I go to bed uh, full of the spirit, full of the, uh, full of his promises, knowing that, that, Everything I'm doing on this life, in this life right now, is 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 trying to please God. I don't always do that perfectly, but I, I live to try to please God. I live to try to do His will, and I and the biggest thing I'm trying to do right now, honestly, is trying to love people as He loved us, because He loves people. Mm -hmm. People want to get fixated on the wrath. They want to get fixated on on the destruction part of it, and that's easy to do, especially if you're an unbeliever, because oh, yeah. that's the first thing you're gonna go to is God's yeah. evil God that just yeah. You know, smash people that step out of line. And that's not true. But he, well, when Christ was on this earth, man, he just loved people. And he loved people that were that, like the Samaritans, for example. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were hated by the Jewish people because they, inter they intermarried with other people uh, that were not their people. So they, mm -hmm. they, they would, they would go around their city to avoid them. Mm -hmm. Jesus went right to a woman who was the outcast of an outcast society. And he was the first, he, she was the first person that he revealed that he was the Messiah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's who Jesus yes. is. That's who God is. He doesn't look for these people that are in these, if you turn on it, especially if you turn on a, and, and listen to a TV evangelist, I would just suggest not to do that. But because these people have the perfect slick hair, they have, I mean, I, I saw, a stage that had, I mean, these golden chairs were bigger than this room we're in right now. Right. And that's where they were sitting in. Right. I mean, it, it doesn't, that's not what God's all about. That's what they, and, and that, and that, that's Satan's way of mocking God and trying to turn people away from what he really is. He's, mm -hmm. he's focused on the people that are broken and they know it. And you know, it's for hope. Me, yeah, that there it is. Hope. Because because if you don't if you're broken and you know it, guess what? I I can't do this on my own. Mm -hmm. I, that what you just described with with your cousin reaching out to you. I've tried everything. Yeah, I have nothing left. I I'm I don't know where to turn to. I don't know what it is I'm looking for. They don't know it's hope at the time that they're looking for. Most of the time, sometimes you know, but they don't know what they're looking for. But they realize that everything on this earth hasn't resolved their inner issues. You on Wednesdays are delivering that message of hope, you know, and that, like you said, that's God, God coming up, Jesus coming down, instilling hope into everyone. Those who are lost instilling hope in them. And that is, that is the Jesus that people want to turn a blind eye to. Oh, sure. You know, because it is like you said, it's easy to turn on the the wrath and say, well, I thought God loved everyone. Mm -hmm. Well, he does. But I always try to not that I'm comparing myself at all, but to put it into terms where people may understand. I always refer to being a parent. You love your children, mm -hmm. man. There's nothing you would do for your children. You will be lenient with your children you will show them mercy and grace but there are some times where they have to feel your wrath 
because they are getting too far out of line. It's, it's the same concept in my eyes. Hey, you know what? I can't name anything that Jesus didn't do or God uh, in the Old Testament didn't do that wasn't uh, people didn't have signs. People didn't have warnings. People didn't have an opportunity to change. You know what I mean? Didn't have an opportunity to to uh, to heed his word. It's no different than with your children. Mm-hmm. You know? For sure. Hey, you know what? I've told you for two weeks now to clean your room and not just throw everything under your bed or in your closet to really clean <laughs> your room and get the trash out. I know you were sneaking and eating in your room. Uh-huh. All right? And I've, I've turned a blind eye to this. I was showing you grace by giving you two weeks to get this done. Now... It's time to turn it on and feel the wrath, man. You are going to be no TV, no PlayStation, no nothing, whatever it may be. You (laughs) are going to be in your room for the two weeks that you left it messy and you didn't listen. You're going to be in your room for two weeks with it clean like this, doing nothing, watching your friends playing outside. You know, to me, it's the same concept. 